0: There was a boom, then the house shook. Daylon McClee thought for a minute that it was a small earthquake until he had a relative come in and tell him that a car crash had happened outside of his apartment involving a police cruiser. McClee ran outside and pulled an officer from the mangled car as flames began to spread into the cabin. Police officials have credited McClee to be a hero and to saving the officer's life. McLean said it wasn't a complicated decision, but his friends thought maybe it was. Maybe he had at least given it a second thought because of his history with law enforcement officers. See, McClee had filed a lawsuit in 2018 against four Pennsylvania state police troopers for wrongful arrest after he spent a year in jail related to a 2016 fight outside a bar. He had rushed to the bar, not because he was there, but because his sister called, saying she needed a ride home, and a fight had broken out. When McClee arrived, he disarmed a man who was standing in the parking lot with a gun and threw the weapon aside. At least one trooper fired shots at McClee as he fled. The trooper said McClee pointed a weapon at him twice, but security footage showed how McClee disarmed the man, discarded the gun quickly, and then fled when shots were fired in his direction. But MacLeese spent a year in jail as the jury or before the jury acquitted him on the charges after reviewing a video. That was a year away from his family, his children, his mom who was ill, who, who passed soon after. But MacLee stressed forgiveness. He couldn't blame every police officer for bad interactions he had with any others. He said, "We need to work on our humanity. That's the main problem of this world." We're stuck on how to get up or get even, and that is not how I was raised to be. You learn, you get, you live, you move on, and I was always taught to forgive big. Well, as we go through our New Testament reading plan, we we had five more chapters, and it's a a little different than how it started because some of these books are pretty short. But we're going to come into a story today in the book of Philemon. You might miss Philemon because it's it's only uh, one chapter, 25 verses. Uh, it's hidden between Titus and Hebrews. Uh, it, it's really short. But there's a man in this story who has to make a decision, even when he's wronged, will he forgive or will he not? I was uh, talking before the service about what I was preaching on in only one book, one chapter. And, um, and so someone thought that it would be a really short message today. And I wouldn't have much to say, but I had to tell them that I actually preached on one word. I think it was a 35-minute sermon, so we got we are in for a treat today. You, you may as well get comfortable. I'm just kidding. Maybe we'll see what happens. I never know until I—until I stop talking. But uh, anyway, uh, we're gonna learn a lot uh, uh, about forgiveness today. I hope uh, there's a man named Philemon, and and Paul writes this letter to Philemon, and uh, and he talks about an interaction between Philemon and a man named Onesimus. And so uh, we learn quickly about Philemon, that he's a Christian, that he hosts church in his home. Uh, They uh, they had home churches back then. We've talked about that recently. But he was one of the hosts, and he loved other Christians deeply and was very faithful. So Philemon, you think, like, this guy's got it together. But just like in any... Um, with any person. We have relationships with others. We live life not in a vacuum. And so sometimes even if we are, you know, upstanding and do everything right, we still have to make decisions that could be hard. And so let's jump right in then. We're going to start at verse 7. Your love has given me great joy and encouragement. Because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the Lord's people. That's how Philemon was known, a man who refreshed the hearts of the Lord's people. Wouldn't, wouldn't it be great if you walked in and people said, that's, man, that's you. Don, Don, you refresh the hearts of the Lord's people. JC, you, you refresh my heart. That's how Philemon was known. I mean, this is good. Then verse 8, therefore, uh-oh, Okay, uh, were you just flattering him, or were you just trying to tell him, like, this is how you are, but now you're going to have to make a decision if you're going to do that or not. Therefore, although in Christ I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do, yet I prefer to appeal to you on the basis of love. It is none other than Paul, an old man now, uh, and now also a prisoner of Christ Jesus, that I appeal to you for my son Onesimus. Who became my son while I was in chains? Formerly, he was useless to you, but now he has become useful both to you and to me. Okay, this is a huge request. I mean, what Paul is asking Philemon is a big deal. Onesimus was uh, Philemon's slave, and he did something wrong. We don't know exactly what he did, but he, he wronged Philemon, and it cost him in some way probably financially, maybe his reputation, and then he ran away. So what he's asking is for Onesimus's freedom. But really what should have happened, a runaway slave would be flogged uh, or beaten. Uh, they would be branded uh, not to run away again. And if, if Philemon chose, he could even have him executed. If Philemon thought, I'm too embarrassed, this is too big of a deal, I don't want him to live there was nothing in the law that would stop him from having him executed. But, but Paul, uh, he, in his letter, he says, he became my son. See, what Paul is telling Philemon is that this slave actually became part of God's family, that he became a son in the faith, that he became a Christian. Now, if you're Philemon, you know, you're an upstanding person, you're refreshing the, the Christians, I mean, the hearts of the Christians, people are really looking to you, Now you have a choice. If your life is all about sharing the gospel of Jesus with the world, he had a chance here to celebrate. This slave of his is now a Christian. Did he celebrate? Or would he want to get revenge? Would he want justice? There's no emotion we ought to think harder and more clearly about than anger. That's how the article, an article by Martha Nussbaum begins. Nussbaum goes on to say, if we, think about, if we think closely about anger, we can begin to see why it is a stupid way to run one's life. Nussbaum says that for a person who has been wronged and wants to strike back, there are three possible paths, three choices. One, focus on, on ourselves. We, we can be the victim. We might actually be a victim. Number two, focus on the offense and seek payback. Imagining the offender suffering would actually make things better. And then number three, I like how she she does this. After exploring and rejecting these first two roads, notice that there's a third path that's open, which is doing the best of all. She says that she can turn to the future and focus on doing whatever makes sense in the situation that could be really helpful. Onesimus, the slave, it actually means helpful. Onesimus uh, could be, become a very helpful person. Paul tells Philemon he's actually helpful, not just to, to Paul, but also to Onesimus. He goes on, he says, I am sending him, who is my very heart, back to you. I, could have, I, I would have liked to keep him with me so that he could take your place in helping me while I am in chains for the gospel. But I did not want to do anything without your consent, so that any favor you do would not seem forced but would be voluntarily. See, Paul is assuming that Philemon, as a Christian, knows God's love and that he will respond by being loving even, even to Onesimus. But if, if Paul had told Philemon, hey, uh, I got your runaway slave and I'm keeping him and, and there's nothing you can do about it, which Paul could have done that, and Philemon probably wouldn't have fought it. If he would have done that, though, he wouldn't have allowed Philemon to have, uh, have choice. So, in a way, he's making him his slave. So, Paul is trying to end something here. He's trying to end this cycle of oppression, of slavery, uh, not even in, in just the way of uh, you think of master-slave, but in how we treat people. In, in how, I know what's best for you, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try my best to manipulate or to coerce you to, uh, to try to do what's best, even if it's not your choice. See, Paul knows that you've got to let people make choices. We can encourage people, we can help people, but it comes down to their decisions. See, when Jesus' disciples argued about who was the greatest, Jesus said, You know the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their their great men exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you. That's not leadership. Uh, One person saying how how everything's going to be and and how you're going to be, no, that's not leadership. Jesus says it's not going to happen that way. Paul is following Jesus. Even when we just know for sure. We can't make people do it. Jesus says, whoever wishes to be great among you must be your servant. And whoever wishes to be first among you shall be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. Now Paul knows that Philemon could go either way on this. But he believes that love will be the guiding principle in this relationship. The second thing Paul does, he considers the mutual benefit uh, for other people. This is not one person gaining and, and the other person gaining. One person's actually going to lose in this situation, maybe at least short term. Onesimus, Onesimus had been practical to Paul. Uh, see, Paul was um, getting older. And he was probably on house arrest at this time, and he needed someone to take care of his, his basic needs. He, he, he liked company, he didn't want to be alone. And, and so his personal preference, he says, was to keep him. I, he says, I want to keep Onesimus here with me, but I can't. Why, why couldn't he? Well, he had to allow Onesimus to make a decision, but he was, he was using an example. See, Paul wanted Philemon to free Onesimus. So, in a way, what he was saying was, I'm not going to do anything that I don't expect from you. Philemon would be losing out, not only losing out on what already happened, the offense, uh, that he couldn't get uh, justice, but he's, he's losing a slave. He's losing, I, I, I don't think um, the idea in this message here is, is no slavery, but Paul makes it very clear throughout different texts that there should be no slavery. But because he has a slave, Uh, He's telling him this is how we should actually be living. And ultimately, he's telling him he needs to free him. But what Paul is doing here is saying, if if you're going to lose out for my gain, well, then maybe I should consider, maybe I should lose out. Maybe I should lose out for your gain. I mean, think about it. Paul could have kept him and things would have been better for him, but he said, you know what? I'm not going to keep something that's helping me because it's going to hurt you. So you decide, and then maybe it'll work out. He goes on, verse 15, Perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little while was that you might have him back forever, no longer as a slave, but better than a slave, as a dear brother. He is very dear to me, but even dearer to you, both as a fellow man and as a brother in the Lord. I, the wording here, I love how he does this. He, he's, he's, he speaks in a, a passive sense that, he was, that this happened. Like, not that he made it happen, but it happened. And I think what he's doing is kind of talking like Joseph did to his brothers back in Genesis when he was put into slavery, and in a way saying, hey, God actually worked this, worked through this situation. Uh, he's, not, he's not blaming it on Onesimus, uh, but he's saying, hey, there's something that's, that's going to happen here, and it's going to go really well. Maybe this was God working through this. Then we get to my favorite part. Actually, the the whole reason I wanted to preach this sermon came down to uh, uh, just verse 18. I'm going to read verse 17 and 18 here. So if you consider me a partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. If he has done any wrong or, or owes you anything, charge it to me. If he's done anything wrong to you, which he knows he has, charge it to me. Paul wrote uh, much of the New Testament. And uh, in all of his other letters, he shares the gospel. He talks about Jesus, and in different ways, uh, he talks about what that looks like because God sent Jesus to die for us. Uh, And in Philemon, the book of Philemon, this letter, he doesn't mention the gospel. He doesn't mention Jesus. I thought that was interesting. Why? Why? Well, we, we know from the letter that, that Paul shared the gospel with Philemon, uh, the master, and he became a Christian. And we also know from the letter that Paul shared the gospel with Onesimus and he became a Christian. They both know the gospel, but they need to see it lived out. See what Paul is doing here when he says, charge it to me, he's showing, he's showing Philemon grace and mercy, he's showing him forgiveness. The, the, the very message of the gospel of God forgiving us for our sins because of Jesus who said to the Father, charge it to me. He didn't have to, to, to restate, but he still showed this is how it looks in real life. I love this. I, I know for someone who doesn't know the gospel, we need to share it in detail. But if you know, if you know that God loves you, if you know that Jesus died on the cross for your sins, if you know that salvation comes through your faith in him because of his grace, When you know that, then sometimes it's like, well, okay, now what do I do with it? How do I live this out? Paul's showing us right here. We can live as Jesus lived for us. We can show grace and mercy in our lives. Look how easy Paul made this. I mean, if you really think about it, I don't want to forgive sometimes because I want justice. You know, once they're punished, then I'll forgive them. Once once there's a consequence to what they did to me, then I can forgive them. He didn't have a chance to do that. So Paul makes it very easy. You want retribution? Charge it to me. He took a barrier away to allow two other people to live in harmony, to, have, to live life in the, with the relationships uh, in a way that would be pleasing to God. Paul doesn't excuse Onesimus. He never says, well, he wasn't wrong or... Uh, he, you know, if I were a slave, I would have done the same thing. He doesn't downplay it. And we don't need to downplay something to forgive a person. We don't need to, to talk to our friend who is going through a, a, a bad situation with another person and say, well, were they really wrong? I mean, what do you do? We don't need to do all that. Really what Paul was saying was, how can I help? How can I remove this barrier so that you can move on and forgive this person and live in peace with other people? Ken Sandy, the author of The Peacemaker, said that to forgive someone means to release from liability to suffer punishment or penalty. That's, that's tough right there. Forgiveness is undeserved and cannot be earned. Forgiveness requires that you absorb certain effects from, uh, of another person's sins and release that person from liability to punishment. This is precisely what Jesus accomplished at Calvary. He secured our forgiveness by taking on himself the full penalty of our sins. Remembering what he did to purchase our forgiveness should be our greatest incentive to release others from the penalties they deserve. Now, when we live this way, when we live life as a peacemaker, you might lose out temporarily. It might cost you. What's the gain? What's the gain when the people around us live differently? Like the story at the beginning, uh, the, the man who was wronged. What if he hadn't forgiven the police? And because of the actions of, of maybe one or, or four of those police officers that had, that had put him in jail, maybe another man, maybe it was one of their friends, one of their brothers or cousins, maybe you just let him burn in the car. See, uh, forgiving other people isn't just about them. It's not even just about us. It's about all of us. If we can go through life forgiving people and not holding grudges and bitterness and always trying to seek retribution, I know we don't do this in big ways. We say we're loving and we, we care for people, but I, I think we still do this sometimes. It, it might impact all of us. It might impact our families. It might, it might come back at you. Paul says, I, I, Paul, and this is the last part of the letter I'm going to read, He said, I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will pay it back, not to mention that you owe me your very self. I do wish, brother, that I may have some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you knowing that you will do even more than I ask. Paul's making a request, but I really think he's just letting him know. I mean, it's definitely Philemon's decision, but Paul knows what kind of person Philemon is, and in a way he's saying, I I know what you're going to do. I know you're just that kind of person. So, Paul is very loving, or Philemon's very loving, but also Onesimus, the runaway slave, he had a choice in all this too. Probably one of the first times in his life he had the freedom to make a decision. Onesimus carries with him a letter from Paul, the letter we're reading, but that's not a guarantee that Philemon would honor it. Onesimus ran away from his master after he wronged him, he comes back, he might be put to death. He had to make a choice. There's, a, there's an example in there for us. Onesimus had to accept the grace uh, that Philemon might or may not offer. Onesimus was willing to take the risk because the truth is when we live in these, with these relationships that are broken and, and there's no reconciliation, then that cycle will continue. The cycle of, of someone wanting to get back at someone. Of What if I run into this person? What are they going to say to me? What are they going to do to me? You know, what if if I need a job and, and I came in and that person interviewed me? I mean, there's no way I would get the job. Why are we living this way? We live in fear and guilt and shame because of our broken relationships. And so Onesimus, he had to go back. He was new in his faith but still understood that faith does not provide an escape clause from earthly debts. So he makes a choice. Now the question I wanted to know an answer to that I think everyone will, would want to know is did Philemon let Onesimus go? Did, did he let him remain free? I don't know for sure. We don't know. But I, but I would say based off of what I, uh, how this letter uh, is in the Bible, then I would, I would think so. I would assume that, that uh, it wouldn't actually be in the Bible if the story didn't end with Onesimus' freedom I think Philemon would have uh, got the letter, and if he's going to execute him, I'd probably rip that thing up and say, I, did he have a letter, Paul? I, did, I didn't see a letter. I mean, he kept it. So with this story, this, uh, this one chapter, one of, uh, only, only one chapter in the book, I, I think it has double meaning. There's a lot of stories in the Bible that I, sometimes we try to give double meaning that maybe they don't have, but I'm pretty sure there's double meaning in this. Paul does this uh, at different points in his letters. To, uh, in Ephesians 5, uh, to the husband and wife, he talks about Christ and the church compares to the bride and the groom. I think that's what he's doing here. And so when we know our place in the story, this starts to make a difference in our relationships. God the Father... Is Philemon in this story. He's, he's the master in this story. He's the one that has all the control. Um, we are always Onesimus. In, in this story, with our, in, in terms of our relationship to God, we are always Onesimus. We are the runaway slave. We are the one that wronged our master, and we are just begging for grace, begging for mercy. And in this story, Jesus is represented by Paul, who says, charge it to me. We wronged God, the Father, and, and, and the Son said, charge it to me, I'll take your sins. And when we accept this, then we're accepting the gospel and we have peace with God. That's the first meaning of this story. This leads to the second part, our relationships with others. We could be Philemon in our relationship with others. You might be the person who has, has control over a situation it doesn't mean you're a slave master, but you might have the upper hand on someone, and it's up to you if you decide to forgive them or not. I think all of us probably at some point in our lives, or maybe maybe right now, you're in a place like Philemon was. Will I forgive or not? We could be Onesimus. We could be the one that, man, I just I really need them to forgive me. I wish I wouldn't have done that. I made a mistake. Uh, I wish I could make it right, but they'll never forgive me. That could be us. Or in our relationship with others, we could actually be like Paul. He's the encourager. He's the peacemaker. He's the one that says, charge it to me. He's the one that sees the the friends or the family and says, I know this might, (laughs) actually they might not even like me if I step in. They might might turn their anger from from the person who wronged them to me. But can I take it? Would it be better off if if I were to take it? That's what Paul did. Maybe Paul would have, uh, Maybe Philemon would have been upset with Paul and never talked to him again. When we live this out, we as a whole, then we have peace with others. There's, uh, this is the reason why we say love God, love people. This is why Jesus told the man the greatest commandment first is to love God, second, to love others. It has to go in this order. If I just skipped the first part and it was just about forgiving others or having the upper hand, I want the upper hand. Naturally, we, as people, we want the upper hand. But when we look at the gospel, when we look at a relationship with God and know for sure, I don't have the upper hand. God is holy and pure and blameless and, and the and giver of every good thing, and, and I'm not. And I waste things, and I, and I wrong people, and I, and I disobey God. When we look at ourselves that way and we think someone came in, I didn't deserve it. Someone came in and said, charge it to me. When we, when we put it in the right order and we, and we love God first, and then we go to our relationship with others, how can I look at someone and say, no, you don't deserve forgiveness. No, that was too, that was too terrible of what you did to me or what you did to that person. Uh, your, your sins are too big to be forgiven. I can't live that way when I, when I look to uh, a perfect God who said, not only am I going to say, charge it to me, but it cost, his, it cost him his son's life, a, a sacrifice. It wasn't, it wasn't easy. It wasn't, I'll take care of this. No, it was tough. That's what love is. The gospel changes relationships, first with God. In just a minute, we're going to take communion, go into offering, but uh, we take communion every week as a reminder of our relationship with God only through Jesus, through his blood and his body because he was willing. That's what the gospel does. I have peace now because I know of my eternal life. I know of, uh, of my salvation. I know of my forgiveness right now. But regardless of what I did 5, 10, 20 years ago, even yesterday, God's not going to hold that against me because Jesus said charge it to me. That's, that's why, we, why we come here. That's why it matters so much. And then it carries over. And so we come to take communion, not individually, uh, but as a body of people who could look to God and say, thank you, you took, you took my penalty. And I can look to others and say, we're on the same level. We're in this together. And so just a minute here, we're going to take offering. If I know we've got some guests today. Uh, what we do here is uh, uh, we'll do row at a time. So the front rows come forward and you can take communion. Uh, there's offering trays right on the front, front pew there. If you uh, have an offering or a communication card to drop in there, and then you just go around and back to your seat. Um, If you would like communion brought to you, uh, we'll have ushers uh, who are willing to bring it to you. So if you just want to put your hand up, um, we'll be looking for you. Am I forgetting anything else? I don't think so. Oh, good. Sometimes I forget things, and I find out later. All right, well, let's pray. Father, I thank you so much uh, that you were willing to uh, take my sin. I thank you that we have, we have hope, uh, we have guidance through your word, uh, and we have love. Uh, we, we know what it means to be loved in a way that's uh, not just uh, just saying it, but you showed it. And so I pray that we leave here with our hearts and our minds uh, focused on, on the love that you showed through your son. And so no matter what, life's, what life brings us, Uh, We will continue uh, to feel loved, uh, to love others, to have purpose, and to have hope. We thank you for Jesus, and it's his name we pray.